welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This episode, I speak to listener Naomi, who's been incredibly open and honest about her experience of a breakup. It wasn't um, a divorce, but the breakup had a huge, huge impact on her life and her mental health. And she talks about that. And she also opens up about the fact that during the relationship, She put a lot of herself into her partner and put her life on hold for him and the effect that that had on her um, after the breakup. So it's a really interesting, honest chat. So I am joined on The Divorce Social by Naomi Chappellhow, a listener of the podcast. Welcome to The Divorce Social. Hi, Sam. Hi. How does it feel to be here? on the podcast it feels slightly weird because I'm not actually divorced so I do feel like a bit of a fraudster but your podcast have literally got me through every big and minor breakup I've ever had so yeah very happy to be here well thanks for listening does it does it feel strange to be in the thing that you've listened to yeah really weird I don't feel like this is real at all (laughs) (laughs) well it's happening I'm sorry um (laughs) So uh, why did you, why were you drawn to the divorce social originally, if you're not divorced, as you said? So I I had a really, a a breakup that I thought at the time felt like a divorce, not that I knew what a divorce felt like, but, um, and I kept driving, so I'm from the north and I'd have these long drives from London to just up north from Manchester. And I was like, oh, you know, I can't just listen to music and cry, like heartbreak music the whole time. So why don't I listen to a podcast? And I just typed in like heartbreak. And then I was like, do you know what? Let's do divorce and see what comes up. And then I just found it um, as like the number one recommended thing. And then I was hooked from then on. I listened to all the all the episodes. And it was just so nice to hear other people going through not similar situations, but knowing that heartbreak still feels the same, even though it can manifest in different ways. Um, so that really, really helped. And like, I felt less lonely on those drives up to the north and than I would have done if I'd have just list, been listening to Little Mix or something else. <laughs> I love that my voice was an alternative to Little Mix, which is hilarious. I love it. <laughs> um, so were you crying to the podcast on those drives sometimes? No, I think it depends. There was one of them that I got really upset about was a woman who was fleeing from Iran, I think. Um, I can't remember the details now, but a couple of them were really sad. But it was like, crying for them not crying for myself so at the time I was such an emotional wreck um you know and I had all the stuff in the back of my car um and yeah it was just it was just nice to hear 
that other people have been through something similar. So it wasn't like, you know, crying because I was miserable at, you know, my own breakup. It was just, oh my God, the world is horrible. Men are horrible sort of thing. (laughs) (laughs) It is funny though, those little places we give ourselves like the car as like permission to cry or experience all the emotions because other times you have to like just get on with life and work and stuff was the car a little haven for you yeah definitely I mean I was I remember I was on the way to Birmingham once also I was stuck in Birmingham and I was like I don't even mind being stuck in this traffic because I can just finish these podcasts I had like 10 left I was like these are gonna date me like I don't know 20 hours to listen to or whatever (laughs) (laughs) so um so yeah especially because me and my ex we didn't really drive together that much so it was still something that was like my own my own thing because all my life was kind of with him like I was immersed in his life everything revolved around him and then when we broke up I was like on my own so that was like something that I'd captured on my own along with the divorce so obviously he did not listen to that to me which would have been very weird (laughs) you never know he might be a listener He he might listen to this now thinking what the hell is going on so do you want to take us back to this breakup where you were kind of in your life in the world? So I moved to London in 2015 and I just broke up with my ex before him because I was like, oh, do you know what? I I want to meet like a, a man from London with a Cockney accent. And, <laughs> um, I love the ideal that you had of just like this really Cockney man. I literally, I was like, I want to find a Cockney man that wears a suit there's like a lawyer or a doctor and my ex was like just he was lovely um but yeah and then I came to London and then didn't I just you know went on these dating apps and I was like, actually London the men in London are just the same as in the north so um so yeah and then I met my ex who was literally everything I wanted like he was a doctor um like nice looking nice family just I ticked every single box did he have a Cockney accent though? He's from the Cotswolds. So no. So not not really. Not all the boxes then. Not all the boxes. Not the Cockney <laughs> accent. No. <laughs> um. So yeah, and then we we lived together. Um. Uh, so we were together about two years. Um. And I literally thought we were going to get married and have children, and then you know one day it just came crashing down. So yeah, really horrible. <laughs> so how did that crashing down? come about if you're okay to talk about it yeah sure so it came well it came about in two different stages so the first I mean you're going to find this quite funny I after six months of knowing him we went to a wedding in South Africa with his uh, mum's stepdad and it was a stepbrother's wedding and I'd only met a, like a handful of his family members um, but I've met his mum and stepdad quite a lot of times so like I kind of trusted them and really liked them so we flew out there and at the wedding they served kangaroo. And I was like, oh God, I don't I don't want to have kangaroo. That's not no. <laughs> I don't want to eat a kangaroo. <laughs> um so I didn't eat anything. And then I had so much wine and I got so ridiculously drunk, like the most the drunkest I've ever been. And I don't remember this at all, but apparently um one of my ex's friends of a friend, who like none of us knew, came up to me and said, Oh, I really fancy the ginger girl. You know, I want, I want to fuck her in the bum. <laughs> and I was like, oh, goodness me, what the hell? This random guy that we've never met before. I think I was just like so shocked this random stranger had said this to me. That I was like, oh my God, this is hilarious. So I went and told um, my ex's sister that her husband had said that to me. But I just got them mixed up. I think they looked the same. It wasn't her husband. It was some random stranger. This is making sense because it didn't didn't even make sense to me. So you were drunk. A randomer came up to you and was like, I want to I want to have sex with that ginger girl in the bum. Yeah. You mistook it for your sister-in-law. Let's call her your sister-in-law's husband. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I went up up to the the, the sister-in-law and said, your husband's just said that he wants to do that girl up the bum. And she was like, oh, I knew it. I knew it. He's been looking at her all night. And I was like, so I, I have no recollection of this. I was told this the morning after. And I woke up and everyone was like, you need to apologize. Like, did he actually say that? And I was like, I don't think so. So in my drunken state, you know, you just lie and like say really stupid things. 
So I was like, I went downstairs, we went in this Airbnb, and I said, I'm really sorry to them. And they were like, I, we don't want to speak to you ever again. You've tried to like, separate, like break up our marriage. You're evil. And I was like, oh, no. Um, and it was horrible. It was the worst trip ever. So they decided that you'd like come up with this idea as a way to like break up the family and create drama. But you were actually just drunk and you got people mixed up. Yeah, because when I'm drunk, I do. I like, you know, everyone does silly silly things some people cry some people get aggressive I just (laughs) lie to people's faces and just act silly and also I was throwing up so they knew that I was absolutely hammered um but but the weird thing is like the brother-in-law like went on a stag do and he did something very similar and everyone was fine with that so I don't yeah it was just a really horrible time because they were quite mean about it and then obviously that my ex's mum and stepdad were like oh, you know, Naomi's not done anything. She's just been drunk. She's apologised. She said that it wasn't the guy. She said it wasn't the um, the husband. So, like, can you just forget about it now and come up and just move on? And they were like, no, she's horrible. And it was like, a, I think it put a massive rift between the families. Um, so, yeah, it was just a really horrible time. And I think that was, like, the first big obstacle that we had to overcome but then we did overcome it and then we came back to England and then like we kind of nearly broke up but I was like listen I love you I want to stay with you like we can work this out and it was always like an elephant in the room like he'd talk about his sister and I'd just be like seething because she hated you Ryan she didn't want to see you again and she said that you were evil yeah yeah okay um and then I was like you know what so a few months passed and then we actually went to go and visit them so me my ex and then just just them and we had a nice time I mean I gave them my microwave because <laughs> they, they moved into a new house and I had a spare microwave so I was like here you go here's a gift and they were fine but I just I just I was quite immature back then I think and I just held grudges and I was like, I just don't like you. You've, you've made my life hell. Like, it was really bad. So how old were you at this stage? I was 27. Okay. And it was my first, like, proper relationship that I thought, this, I'm going to marry this man. And I think, like, she'd, in my head, interrupted this image that I have of, like, us getting married and having kids. Um, but actually, looking back on it, I think they had marriage problems anyway. So I think someone saying that to you, when you're drunk, he's going to be not a great thing, especially when she did actually think that he was flirting with the girl, which is just bizarre, <laughs> like a horrible like coincidence of events. So, um, so yeah, so we went to visit them. We actually had a nice time. I think after that, I felt a lot better. And even though I still held onto some resentment, I did actually let it go. And then for about a year after that, we were fine um nothing really happened like we were just getting on with life talking about um so I'd actually bought a house but it was off plan so I bought it two months into our relationship but it was only just being built so I just was like okay do you know what I wouldn't even move into my flat we can stay here with you and then I'll rent it out and you know talking about how we can make money and how we can just build a life together and you know going on holiday with his friends and I think I immersed myself into his life and put all my things on hold. So all my friends kind of took a backseat and I just wanted to be around his friends and his family because I just, I thought they were better. You know, they they had really cool jobs. One of them, I owned a uh, a bouldering business. And so we used to go rock climbing and, and yeah, it was just, everything was ideal. And I just like fit myself into like his world. Do you think you were trying to, make up for what you'd done at the wedding as well yeah I think I was really angry at the time of the wedding because I was like but I was just drunk and you know I I obviously told the story to the people and they were like oh my god that's hilarious I would have laughed so I just think I didn't I didn't have any accountability for myself actually but it's pretty bad what I did so yeah I think I then just started to feel guilty and I didn't want to bring it up again because it was like quite a while ago but I think I did still feel quite bad about that and also it's someone's wedding as well like it's not like a party you know people you know kind of heard what went on and the people got that got married I mean they they were fine with that I think he actually found it funny um but 
luckily, I mean, they could have been quite annoyed that I'd caused this drama on their wedding day. So but they weren't annoyed and it was their wedding day. Well, yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I kept going back and forward in my head, being annoyed about it and then kind of seeing uh, the sister-in-law side. So, yeah, but it, it was like definitely something that lingered throughout the whole relationship for sure. So you put your life on hold, you said, and then immersed yourself in his life. Yeah, I, I basically became like it, literally I'd wake up on a Sunday and think, what can I do that will make my ex happy? I used to make him dinner like I, I was kind of obsessed with him in a weird way because I was like, well, he was a doctor. So I had like huge respect for him anyway. Um, He got on with my sister really well, like he was like kind to my family um so when my sister was my sister's got Crohn's disease and he used to like give her advice even though he wasn't like a gastro person so that made me like love him even more so I kind of just I really idolized him every time I went out to the shops I'd be like okay what does Max want like I'd buy stuff and make stuff that like I didn't even like but I'd just cook it for him he was a pescatarian. I loved meat, so I stopped eating meat for ages. I mean, that's kind of normal thing to do, I guess, if you're living with someone. But, um, yeah, I just lost my identity, I think, and just became, like, really obsessed with him in, like, an unhealthy way. Everything that I did, I wanted him to be at. And, like, when he had – so he obviously had, like, a work rotor where he'd work weekends and work nights. And I just got, like, really depressed when he wasn't there. And I kind of just stayed in and waited for him to be home instead of thinking, oh, this is an opportunity for me to see my friends or do different things. I'd kind of just sit at home, clean up and like wallow. Even though I had a really good job at the time, I'd just started a really good job um, as a civil servant. But I just kind of did that as a nine to five. And then, yeah, the rest of my time was like thinking about my ex and like obsessing about what he can come home to. Yeah, probably not very healthy at all. And at the time, did it feel... Like it wasn't healthy or did it just feel like normal life? No, it felt completely normal. And I think this is, uh, when we broke up, I was like, I've just wasted my time. I've not learned anything. But now I actually think I learned so much from it. Um, Because at the time, I honestly didn't see it. I just thought, this is what like marriage is like. Except, you know, we didn't have the papers, but I just thought this is normal. Like I didn't really have that many friends in London. So there was no real comparison but there wasn't you know it wasn't like I had a big group of girlfriends because I'd moved from the north so I didn't have any like school friends people friends that I made were from work and they were like my friendship it was quite like bitty yeah honestly I was oblivious at the time and how did the breakup come about then so I think this is this is the worst thing of all this is this is this is kind of why I contacted you oh and you know kind of listened to the podcast from the beginning because it was absolutely horrific and I just wanted to know that this wasn't just me so I I just moved into my own flat the agreement was I'd move in for a bit because I'd bought it but then maybe after a few months I'd move back out uh, but I just wanted to live there and like he would come around and we, we'd basically like spend half the time at mine half the time at his so I was in my new flat like doing it all up um I remember I met my neighbours in the corridor and I was really excited. I was like, oh, neighbours, like, you know, come in. Um, so they were looking at the, like, looking at my windows and just, like, comparing, like, oh, my windows are this size. You know, like you do when you've got a new, when you've got a new flat and you've got neighbours. And I said to my ex, like, oh, do you want to come over um, after work? And he was like, yeah, yeah, sure. And he didn't, he didn't come over. And I was like, oh, okay, weird. And there was, like, a few... And I told my neighbours, and they're like, oh, it's fine. Like, And I kind of got distracted because I was with my neighbours. I didn't really think about it. And also, it's like a minor thing. It might, well, maybe it's not. But at the time, I was like, oh, well, maybe he just forgot. Maybe he went home and just went to sleep. And then the next day, um, my mum was down visiting. So she was down for the weekend. And she took me to a cafe. And she was like, oh, you must be so happy. You've got your flat now. You've got a good job. And you've got, you know, a really good relationship. And I was like, yeah, but. He just didn't turn up last night, so that's a bit weird. He hasn't really texted me today that much. She was like, oh, that's really weird. Maybe he's just tired after work. Like, just He's really nice, so and he wouldn't do anything to hurt you, so just have a chat with him. So I messaged him the day after and said, can we have a chat? Like, are you okay? Expecting him to be like, yeah, everything's fine. I just fell asleep. 
he actually sometimes he used to do that like he'd be so knackered from what because we'd be working like 12 hour shifts on his feet so it didn't like surprise me if he'd forget um and then the day after he was like okay I'll come over after work so this was literally two days after he just forgot to come over um and then he came over I'd made him pasta like I just thought we were gonna have a nice movie night and just get on with the rest of our lives and I remember so I sat on my sofa and I was like look I've put some paintings up like really happy do you want some pasta he's like no I feel a bit sick and I was like oh why and he's like well I just I don't want to be with you anymore like I don't love you and I literally vomited in the sink and I was like are you serious and he was like yeah so I spoke to my mum about it and she thinks it's mean to like you know keep going out with you because you're a really nice girl and I don't want to lead you on. But if I think about my future, you're not in it. You're not the person that I want to marry and have children with. And I know we spoke about it a lot, but just recently, you're just not at the forefront of my mind. Like I did forget to come and see you the other day. And I think if I was in love with you, I wouldn't have done that. And I've probably been feeling this for a while, but like, I, I think you're an, a nice girl. <laughs> so, wow. yeah. And I was like, are you fucking serious? I was like, are you serious? So you'd moved, so you were living together and you'd moved into your flat. Was that, had that been encouraged by him? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've had conversations with obviously people, like my friends, my family. And I think he probably had been feeling this way for a while, but because I was living with him and waiting for my flat to be built, he's probably just thinking, oh, well, it's mean to like kick her out before the flat's built. But I'd been here for two months. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, you can't read people's minds, but it was just, I think the shock of it more than anything was so hurtful. Like I was literally thinking that he'd come and talk to me about work and he'd been stressed about it because he just moved um, hospitals. Like they do rotations when they're training. So I just was like, oh, it'll be work. And then for him to just say, I don't love you anymore. And then he also, I mean, the biggest thing as well, I'd put on quite a bit of weight just because I wasn't doing any exercise. I was just literally working and then like cooking for him. And I said, oh, is this because I've, put on weight and he was like a little bit <laughs> and I was like oh my god wow. <laughs> yeah um if you'd put on he was like if you I can't remember exactly what he said now but he said you know if you'd put on some weight I wouldn't dump you for it like because I don't love you and so when you just think I'm literally having a conversation and you're just sta- like repeatedly stabbing me in the chest oh my goodness so how did that feel because obviously you asked the question, is this because I put on weight? So was that something you were feeling insecure about at the time? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I just, I well, we went on holiday. I surprised him with a trip to, I mean, again, another like evidence that I was just obsessed with him. So he's obsessed with cars. So I took him to Stuttgart in Germany where the, I think it's the Porsche cars were made and like took him on the Porsche factory and during that trip, we were there for like a long weekend and we didn't have sex at all. And he didn't even try. But I just thought, oh, we've been together for quite a long time. So that's normal, isn't it? Um, but I think that's maybe because that was only like a few months prior to us breaking up. So I think I just thought, oh, well, I feel insecure. Like I didn't dress in a sexy way. It's interesting, this the sex that you mentioned, because... I think a lot of the time at the end of the relationship and I know like I used to blame myself because you said maybe I didn't dress in a sexy way and then that puts all the blame on you for the fact that you know sex isn't happening and sex cannot be happening you know and it's fine not to have sex and it's fine to have sex but that could not be happening for a whole world of reasons but I I can definitely relate to like putting the blame on on yourself and being like oh it's because I did this or because I did that yeah no definitely and I think looking back on it now like on that trip I paid for everything we did all the things that he wanted to do because I'd planned them for him and we didn't even have sex and like but at the time I just didn't even think it was an issue but obviously that coupled with the fact that I put on weight and you know he obviously wasn't attracted to me anymore um he didn't actually say that he did just I mean and I also I asked him so it's you know it's a tricky one because I felt I felt insecure and it was like at that time I just wanted to get ans- like get as many answers as I could but 
I was also in shock. So you say things that probably you wouldn't normally say if you weren't in shock. Yeah, I don't think I'd have asked him that if I'd have <laughs> seen it coming. No, but I think that's totally understandable. And I can, you know, relate to that. It's that when you're feeling vulnerable and you're trying to search for answers and you're like, is that, you know, um, I don't want you to feel like I'm saying that you shouldn't have asked it because we all do whatever we do. Um, but, you know, it is, it's just interesting that you asked it because you were obviously feeling a certain way about it at the time or maybe feeling insecure about it. And I know that, you know, I put on weight during my relationship and I kept wondering like, oh, does he fancy me now because I'm a different shape? And is that why things aren't going well? Whereas, you know, in hindsight, we can look back and be like, actually, there's way more like emotional and connection and communication reasons why things weren't going well. You know, um, a few pounds isn't going to tip, well, we hope, isn't going to tip the scales one way or the other. Pardon the pun. Um, so, so wow. So that must have been a very vulnerable situation because you're in your brand new flat and you're all excited about it happening. And then he comes over and, and breaks this to you. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, and my mom had just left the night before. So, I mean, I was so annoyed that he did it at my flat because I was like, this is my new place. And I actually couldn't stay there for a month afterwards. So I stayed at my friend's house and I was like, at least do it in the park, <laughs> you know, or somewhere neutral where I don't, because now I'm in this flat and I'm looking at my rug where I like literally fell to the floor and I can still, how long has it been now? Four years? You know, and you can, I can still remember like this is the sink behind me that I threw up in. <laughs> so it looks clean now. It looks thank clean. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that, that was the most annoying thing about it, I think. And that just reminded me that he's been selfish this whole time in the way he's done it. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that he's a selfish person. Obviously, people make mistakes. And I don't, I think maybe, you know, if I saw him and had a conversation with him now, he'd probably regret doing it in my flat as well. But I just think men sometimes just don't think about about that. Like with other relationships I've had after him. I had another one that was like a year long and, you know, we broke up in the park. The none of us that I've been to before for this specific reason. That I was like, I don't want it to be a place that I'll ever go again. So, so yeah, it was, it was really horrible. And I remember when just after he broke up with me and I asked him that comment, I also said, is this to you with, you know, your sister? She said anything. And he was like, no, she was like, she wanted us to stay together. So that really shocked me as well. Because I was like, oh, okay, so this is all him. Like, not, you know, being in love with me anymore. Which was also like a really hard pill to swallow because I couldn't blame it on, I couldn't blame it on her either. Um, and I just said, why do you feel this way? Because he said, you know, it's not, if you'd put on a few pounds, I'd still be with you if I really loved you. So, okay, so you just acknowledge that I've gotten a bit fat, but you wouldn't break up with me for it if you loved me enough. So why don't you love me enough? And he was like, I don't know, I just don't. And I think that was difficult because I'd never got any answers and I still, obviously, I still don't have the answers. And he was like, I was, I was like, is it something that I've done? What is it? Is it my big nose? <laughs> he was like, no. He was like, I can't. He was like, I just don't pitch my life with you. And I was like, why? And he was like, I don't know. And we just had this conversation that went round in circles for ages. And then I went to the toilet to get changed because I'd been sick on because <laughs> I got sick on my trousers. And I was like, don't look. You're not my boyfriend anymore. Like just in a really childish way. And then he dropped me off at my friend's house. And that was it. I never saw him again. Never spoke to him again. Apart from my sister messaged him to like sort out logistics of like picking up all my stuff and getting a removal van from his, but never spoke to him again. Like literally not a word. Wow. I mean, with the getting sick, it just, it's a real strong physical example of how shocked you were. When did that, when did that come in the conversation? And did you, I'm just trying to picture it. So you were sitting down and then you know, did you have to run to the sink all of a sudden or was it something that came on slowly? You started to feel nauseous. No, I ran to the sink. So we were sat down, sat on the sofa. I was hugging him before this all this happened and he was like really stiff and I was like, something's wrong. And he was like, just go over there a minute. Isn't it? He was like, I just want to look at you. And then he told me 
And then I instantly was sick. I just, I think, no, maybe I sat there for like five seconds. And I think I just, the colour drained from my face. And then I just ran to the sink and threw up. And then I also collapsed on the floor, which is also why I really resonated with your podcast. Because I remember you saying that you were crying on the floor, on the kitchen floor at one point. And I was doing the same, but with him Mm. there. And he was just like, what? Um, But to be honest, it was such, I don't really remember the sequence of events. Mm. Like accurately. I remember, and when I think about it, I remember bits of different times. It was all just a blur. I feel like it didn't happen in a weird way. Obviously it did, but um, yeah, I remember like what outfit I was wearing, like which pants I was sick on, I threw them away now, thankfully. <laughs> um, so yeah, just really horrible, horrible time. I think the shock of it as well, like I think most couples that I've spoken to since already know that something's up. And like with my ex before him, I'd already known that I was going to break up with him and we'd had arguments and with this, we had one big argument, one big thing and we'd sorted it out. And I was like, but this doesn't make any sense. Like, why don't you love me? This is so random. Like no, there's no, there's been no event that spurred it on. Like for the past few months, we've been really good. It was really out of the blue. Yeah. And I think that's the worst. That's, that was the worst thing about it. It was like the shock factor. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ding dong. It's the ad break. This podcast is sponsored by Penguin in the Room, an award-winning company that can manage your business's social media. They even manage our podcast, Instagram and Twitter. Just email info at penguinintheroom.com for a quote. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can by buying merchandise from our website, www.thedivorcesocial.com. Ding dong. And if someone's listening now and they want to, you know, maybe break up with the person they're with or they're, you know, in an unhappy marriage and they want to broach it with the person, but they think it might be a shock for them. Having been on the receiving end of that, what advice would you give? What would have been a nicer way for you for it to have happened? Oh God, that's a really good question. I mean, breaking someone's heart is not nice, but I think just doing it sooner rather than later and I think my ex put it off because I was living with him. That's what my gut tells me. But I'd rather have known because the more time you spend with someone, the more invested you get. And I think you can't you can't help the shock factor if literally one day you wake up and decide you don't want to be with them. But I think obviously not doing it in a neutral place is so important. So that's the first thing. And then, yeah, if you start to feel any doubts, like let the person know even if you're not sure if you want to break up with them. Although I don't know, actually, because then is that cruel? Because then if you don't end up breaking up with them, is it mean? I don't know, because you said about being honest when you feel it and telling them sooner rather than later. So maybe being 
I think there's a difference between, you know, they leave their pants on the floor and you're like, oh, do I want to be with someone who leaves their pants on the floor? And actually having serious worries about whether you want to be with them. Yeah. In my scenario, it's difficult because I think it's hard to quantify those concerns if you just don't, if you're falling out of love with someone. Like, what do you say to the person? Um, Although I do think overall it's better just telling someone. Like, I'd, I'd rather have known much sooner um, and I wouldn't have cared that I was living with my ex. I would have just gotten out somehow. Um, so yeah, it is, it's hard though, especially when there's no real reason for it. And I think I'm still wondering today, like sometimes like what, what did I do that made him fall out of love with me? Like, oh, what was it about me that he didn't love? Cause he couldn't say, and I don't know if that's because it was just a feeling or whether he's hiding something from me. Like I will never know. So I, I don't like the fact that I never really got closure. I mean, apart from the fact that I put on a bit of weight, but he actually did say that's not the real reason. So that was a kind of a useless conversation. <laughs> it wasn't really, it didn't serve a purpose because I just then got insecure for no reason really. But you were searching for answers, I guess. So maybe it would have been useful. And I'm just thinking if anyone's trying to approach the same situation be useful for them to explain you know there's nothing that you've done yes honestly it is just I don't know why it's happened but I don't feel the same anymore yeah I think that would have been really I mean because I never got that it was just I don't love you anymore I don't feel the same but then there was no telling me that it wasn't my fault still it was all quite it was quite a selfish conversation on his side where he was like oh I'm I've been dreading this for a couple of days now you know everything was like me 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 and I think if you are going to break someone's heart at least you know give them like some sort of hope that it's you know not just I I mean just be kind I think like I don't think he did it in a very kind way yeah that's what I would say just think about the other person I I don't I think he approached in a very selfish way where he didn't think about how his actions would affect me whereas now you know, I actually ended, you know, it was only, I think we've seen each other for like a month. It was really short, but I still said to the person, like, you know, it's, you are wonderful, but it's not, you know, it's not right for me. And I think, and I did it over the phone and we didn't even, I mean, I'd only met him like four times, I think. But, you know, I still, instead of texting him, I still called him and like we FaceTimed. So I think like now I'm hyper aware of it whenever situations like that come up again. So. And and it's so interesting you talking about it because as you said, it's like four years ago, but it still had such an impact on you. And I think it's it's really interesting because I get comments sometimes from people who listen to the podcast who say, you know, it's the divorce social. You can only talk to divorced people and people who've been married for years and years. But sometimes it's those short, really intense relationships. I mean, it wasn't that short, it was two years, but intense relationships can affect you just as much as or in a different way than one for 20 years can so um I do think it it's really important to share all of those so thank you for telling us about your experience and and recovery wise how did you because it was such a shock you know you're in this new flat how did you go about kind of getting over that and looking after yourself so it took me I don't know, a long, long time to, I mean, my sister moved down for, luckily she was like in between, it happened, she was in between jobs anyway. So it was really good timing, but she actually moved down for three months because I was at, like, I couldn't eat. I could, I was like, physically it had a really big effect on me. I'd say for about three or four months, I couldn't eat properly. Um, and I got really anxious. So I was diagnosed with anxiety after it happened just because I couldn't like function. And I think this is why I wanted to hide, like write in and tell my story as well, because like you said, even though it was only two years, like the shock of it like affected me so bad. And even today, like I don't, I'm not the same person as I was before this relationship. Um, so yeah, I, I think I went to the GP after about two or three months because I just wasn't getting any better. And I kind of like, in my head, I was like, why am I going to the GP over a breakup? So part of me was a bit embarrassed about it. But then at the same time, I actually thought, but it's not a breakup. It's not just a breakup because 
it's actually had a really detrimental physical effect to me. I mean, I lost two stone because I didn't eat and not because of his comments, but because I couldn't physically eat anything or keep it down. Um, and then I couldn't work properly. I mean, I did, I didn't like sign off sick, but I was not performing well at all. But I think just my friends were really good and like having that support network around me was really important. So I only had a few friends and a lot of, sadly, a lot of his friends were my friends, but they actually did help because they were like, oh, that's really unfair. Like what's happened to you? It's just crap. So luckily the friends that we had that were mutual friends actually kept in touch with me. But then over time they did, you know, leave because they were actually his friends first. So I think I put myself out there and made new friends. And I've now got a really good circle of friends that I will never leave any man for. So I think just doing a mixture of taking it day by day, like I used to sit there and think, oh my God, I'm never going to find anyone ever again. Um, what could I, and then, then I used to ruminate on why did he break up with me all the time? And, that used, and then I used to like have panic attacks about it. So I think just trying to stop yourself going into a spiral by keeping busy um reminding yourself that you'll be fine eventually like this can't continue for a long period of time and then also just getting help and like not being afraid to ask someone for help whether it's your friends like a GP um and just talking openly about it so like listening to these podcasts honestly it's been I think this listening to your podcast inspired me to like go to my GP and just like talk more openly about it with my friends as well because I think they could sense that something wasn't right, but because I just tried to hide the fact, I was like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then I just go into the toilet and cry. So, yeah, a mixture of just that's how I recovered. But it was hard and it took a long time. And even still, I'm still a bit, I have days where I'm like, you know, it's been four years, but I still feel like a bit sad about it. But I never get into a state where I'm, you know, anxious or worried. It's just, oh, I wonder how he's doing. You know, I know he's with someone else and I think that shocked me as well. So I'm going off a bit tangent now, but um, he, I saw like two months after he broke up that he was with someone else and that really hurt me because I had loads of questions about that. That can be so hard, can't it? My ex moved on quite quickly and it's like, well, you said you were in love with me and now all of a sudden you've managed to move on super fast and I'm still crying on the floor. Like, what is going on? Yeah, literally. And like a, a number of my, now a few more friends, I've spoken to them about it. You know, men can be the ones in, in these situations where, you know, they break your heart, but then why do they get to find love so easily? And, you know, it's not, you think in a fair world, they'd be the ones that were still upset or regretting their decision and we'd find love again. But, you know, life doesn't work like that. So, and I think that was, you know, I also had a sexual explosion as well, like you, after about Yay. six months. <laughs> <laughs> but just to pick up on your point of like, they get to find love quickly. I think one thing that really made me, when I was in counselling, one thing that really made me think was, well, how do we know they've found love and how do we know that they've dealt with all their issues and, you know, uh, have a new healthy relationship? We don't because we can only see it from the outside. And I think that did help me because I think so often we can imagine these stories in our head of, oh, they've moved on. They don't even remember who I am anymore. And they're all in love with this new partner and living the dream. And I'm like, yeah, crying on my kitchen floor. But we don't. Yeah, but we've created that story. So I'm sure that isn't exactly the case. Um, yeah, I think you're right. And social media is like a blessing and a curse because he had an open Instagram account so I could see everything. And I was like, Ugh. and then I'd block him. But then if I unblocked him, I could still, even now, I checked him this morning. <laughs> I mean, psycho, well, not psycho behavior, but um, yeah, just wild behavior four years on but I think well it's understandable because you were going to talk about him today so of course he'd come up in your mind yeah yeah you're right so yeah I mean yeah it's hard isn't it I mean there's I feel like there's no right or wrong way to deal with things um it's just whatever works for you and it, but I, I definitely think talking to people about that is like really really important because then because also I think I feel like you look at other people's marriages and think oh they've got perfect marriage and then you talk to people 
about your breakup and they're like oh well you know my husband did this or I've done this and I put my husband through hell and then you find out that actually relationships aren't perfect at all you just think they are because they've got someone so I know a few friends that are in like unhappy relationships and I think I'd so much rather be single than be in an unhappy relationship because you can actually feel quite lonely if you're with someone that isn't the right person um so yeah I think that's like a big lesson that I didn't you know think of before and also the sexual explosion was good because I got a lot of confidence back as well um so now I'm not you know (laughs) concerned about my weight anymore which is which is nice um yeah one of my most exciting things was because I put on weight at the end of my marriage and and then also after my divorce but during the sexual explosion I was like oh my god people love the size of my bum and it wasn't this big before so (laughs) I'm like celebrating how big my bum is now um so sometimes yeah having a sexual explosion and other people's appreciation of your body can help you appreciate your body a bit more too yeah it's great it's great um and I just wanted to um talk about the anxiety a little bit because I have anxiety as well I take anxiety medication and I think quite often you know things like heartbreak we don't talk about enough and you know you might say to people oh I went out with someone for two years and they'd be like oh that's hardly anything you know if they're out being with someone for longer and so often people can belittle others experience but it doesn't it has an effect on you if it has an effect on you and it doesn't matter if it's um, you know I've spoken to some people that were with someone for a month and it's really impact that breakup has really impacted their life in a huge way um but how did you know you said listening to the podcast helped and I'm really glad but how did you know it was time to go and see your GP about feeling anxious that's a good question I I think for a few weeks I was like I'm not getting better because I'd everyone that I'd spoken to and all that you know I'd gone on reddit and read all these forums therefore was like time heals you know and they did all these calculations, like if you're with someone for two years, at times it by 18 million, divide it by seven, and then you'll be fine. And but I was like, I'm not, I'm not getting better with time, basically. So, and there was one moment at work where I told my boss when the breakup happened that it had happened, and she was like, I just, and she was actually lovely because she was single and had just gone through heartbreak as well. So luckily she was more lenient. So she was like, just go home, have a week off. You know, like on the um, oh, what's is it called the breakup when Jennifer Aniston's in the art gallery? Have you seen that movie when she's yeah. like, "Oh, d- take a day to be sad." I felt like it was very similar to that, but it was weak. Um, but after that week, obviously, I still didn't feel better. And then it was like two months had passed, and I just wasn't performing, and I was like really embarrassed because I was getting things wrong at work. And I literally said to my boss, like, oh, "You know, my uncle's really sick," and I just lied because I was like. I can't say that I'm still upset about my breakup because that's so embarrassing. But, um, and I don't have an uncle, so I don't care if I'm like... <laughs> kill him off. Tempting fate. Yeah, if I kill him off, it's fine. I don't have one. And she was like, oh, okay, have a few weeks off. <laughs> and I feel really bad about it now because I'm like, I literally lied to my boss's face. But I was like, I can't, I just felt too embarrassed. And I just honestly don't think if I'd have said I'm still upset about a breakup that she'd have let me have the time off. So I think that was when... I knew like I literally had to have time off because I, I can't function. I can't do my job properly. And then the physical symptoms as well just weren't going away. And my sister prompted me as well. She was like, just, and I remember walking up to my GP and I was sick on the way up and it was like 11 AM and some guys in a van like drove past and like went, Oh, get some water down here or s- something to insinuate that like, obviously they thought I was like drunk for the night before and I was like no I'm literally just heartbroken <laughs> I wish I was hungover um so yeah I think I think when I had that conversation with my boss like the day after the morning after I just phoned the GP and I was like I need I need some help and I also had um therapy which was amazing so I'd had CBT before a few years ago um for something else and then I had therapy this time and that really really helped because we went through like bits of the relationship in a lot of detail, like this thing that happened, like the wedding stuff. Um, and then like the weight issue and the shock of it. And that really helped like, unpack everything 
in a lot more detail because I think medication can help and it stopped the physical symptoms. But I was still, I, I, I didn't have answers. And I think actually going to therapy gave me answers that I couldn't get from my ex, which was really, really good. I mean, helpful. Yeah, and also unpacked help. some stuff from my childhood as well, which, which was nice. Like you didn't think things affected you from when you were a child, but they still do. Yeah, that's so interesting, isn't it? When you start going to therapy and you're like, maybe I acted in my relationship like this because of something that happened when I was six. Yeah. And you're like, oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Things things affect you years and years after. Yeah, and definitely. Yeah, I think with my anxiety, I take medication as well. And also counselling really helps. And I think it's interesting that you say that you felt like you sort of had to lie about a thing like, oh, my uncle's sick, to give yourself a kind of acceptable, in inverted commas, reason to your boss. Why Why do you think we feel embarrassed about, because I feel embarrassed too, you know, when I'm like, I'm, you know, people see me as a comedian and performer and they're like, oh, you're really confident. And then some days, you know, I feel sick when I think about leaving the house you know, and it is, and that does feel embarrassing because you're like, well, why? Like, I'm literally just, I'm not even doing anything showy today. I'm just going outside. Why do you think we still feel embarrassed about it? I think people get anxious or talk about being anxious for a reason, but they don't talk about being anxious just for being anxious. I've never heard anyone, apart from you just then saying, I don't want to leave the house because I, you know, feel sick or feel anxious. I just don't, it's acceptable if there's a reason for it. But if there's no reason for it, people can't fathom it and don't, you know, it's like, oh, well, what what are you doing? Just just leave the house. Like, I don't understand that. I think people that don't have anxiety can't relate. And so, like, with my boss, she was, very, she was a very strong woman. And I think she was upset about breakup, so she could relate to that. And she had sick family members, so I think she could relate. But if I had just said, I'm feeling anxious, probably still because of my breakup, she'd have been like, what the hell? And I think because it's not spoken about in that way, you know, anxiety is always related to an event. And it is true to a certain extent because I got anxiety after my breakup, but I still get it now for no reason. Well, not no reason. I'm not sure why, but like years on. And I think it stemmed from that, but it's obviously not the root cause because it was so long ago so I think yeah I think if people spoke about it in a more in a way that's not related to a specific event I think I think yeah I think that would make it a lot easier for other people to to speak about it as well yeah I totally agree and I think a lot of the time people who don't have anxiety might relate to it by saying oh I've felt nervous before I felt anxious before an event and that's how they try and relate the experience, but actually, you know, reminding people that when you have anxiety, you you feel anxious, you know, all the time. Yeah, for no reason. As you said, it's not because, oh, today I'm giving a really big speech, so I feel nervous. It's like I just wake up and feel nervous, like I'm giving a really big speech later, but I'm not. All I have to do is just live my life today, but I still have those feelings. And um, that's so true. We don't really explore that side of it yeah exactly and I, I remember when I was <laughs> when I had my little sexual explosion I I remember talking to a friend about it and she doesn't really I mean she gets depressed but not anxious and I kind of had a bit of both but she was saying I don't understand how you know you can sleep with different men and have someone literally inside you that's a stranger and not be anxious about it but be anxious about going to work <laughs> and I was like fair enough that, that is a good point but it just your mind isn't it doesn't work in like a, a rigid way it, it can be very complex um and yeah but yeah. luckily I've you know had men inside me as she says that uh, haven't made me feel anxious <laughs> that feels like such a clinical explanation of the sexual act doesn't it between a man and a woman yeah a heterosexual sexual act um it's yeah, it's an interesting one because, uh, you know, if I go on the radio, I don't feel anxious. But sometimes if I, you know, have to go to the shop and speak to the woman at, on the post office desk, I feel anxious, y you know, and there's no, there doesn't seem to be a, a clear reason for it. 
I'm just like, well, I've spoken to thousands of people just now on the radio, but I can't speak to one woman to send a parcel. Um, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. The way your mind works. Yeah. Um, but I think learning about it, even if you don't have anxiety or depression, I think some people experience it in mild cases and they don't even realize. So I think even learning about it is, is super important because it will probably affect, I don't know the statistics, there's like one in three people have anxiety, but quite a lot anyway. And a lot of people like, I mean, I haven't told that many people. Um, yeah, I've told like close friends and family, but yeah, you can't really tell. I mean, if you have, um, if you're in a wheelchair or, you know, people can tell but yeah and and you know I'm deaf in one ear as well and I wear a hearing aid and you know invisible disabilities are are often quite you know it's it's obviously a different type of disability and someone who might use a wheelchair has different accessibility problems because of the way society is set up and if you have an invisible disability it's like you're constantly having to break it to people and remind people and prove you know or a mental health issue prove that you're anxious or they're like we'll just you know get over it or do a meditation and you'll be fine and you're like "Mm, it's a little bit more than that yeah Um, yeah exactly yeah but also I think I think it's 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 interesting and you know you said earlier that you know you wanted to talk about it because you're you're four years on now and I think it's quite similar with people who get divorced of you know we're given that leeway of time to be sad about the breakup or to feel the repercussions and then we're kind of expected to get on with it and people don't realize that you know these things can really stay with you you know can be one year it can be 10 years it can be 20 years you know it's still a part of your life and it might affect you in all different ways so thank you for being honest about that yeah no worries and I think it really shapes you as well even though it was two years I feel like it's had such a big impact on how I've behaved how I've dated and like even when I've been in you know I've had like flings and relationships I had another one-year relationship afterwards and I was still upset over this ex when I was dating that my new boyfriend I'd still think about not think about him and like I want to be with him but be reminded of him and I think how the hell can someone have an impact on you like it's just another person but the like your brain just works in like really strange ways um so yeah and I think like you said there are some people I've known that have been in relationships like 10 or 15 years and they're broken up and they're fine or they seem fine anyway um and then there are people that have been out with, you know, people for a few months and then they're devastated. I mean, I was also dating someone literally for a week, but it was very intense. And I was really upset. And this was only a few weeks ago um, when it ended. And I think it's it definitely depends on, like, the relationship and the connection rather than the time that you spent together. Because people can be, like, I have a, married, a couple of married friends and they don't spend a lot of time together because of their work schedule. So I'm guessing the time they actually spend together is probably not dissimilar to the amount of time that me and my ex spent together on, in total. I mean, I obviously I don't know the maths, but yeah, and it definitely, yeah, it definitely has shaped who I am. And I'm very lucky as well that I didn't have kids. I know that a lot of people come on here and have children. And I just think that just must be like a, a whole other level of heartbreak and complexity added to it if you have children. So. Yeah, and I think listen. Even though I don't have children, I can still learn a lot from listening to your podcast and hearing about people that do have kids because it gives you another perspective on how relationships work when you've got that extra dimension to it. And then also, still having to be in contact with your ex. I just, I'm so, I'm so happy I had a clean break from him. But if I had kids with him, then yeah, having to maintain some sort of relationship for the children must just be really, really difficult. So yeah, I really applaud anyone that has children and is having to yeah deal with a breakup while having kids if anyone um listening is really related to your story and maybe is in the midst of of what you went through do you have any advice for them that's a good question I think take it day by day um and do little things that make you happy even if it's um I'm trying to think what makes me happy now. So I started reading 
like thrillers novels because it was so far away from romance so um put my phone away not looking at social media and like getting myself into a book that was like quite <laughs> like dark and scary because that's a world away from you know romance novels but also just takes you away from your phone and then thinking about them so um that really got me through it but then also going on long walks I mean people that's quite cliche isn't it just going for a walk but that did actually help just get some fresh air um yeah and just making sure that you're patting yourself on the back for actually getting up that day and reminding yourself that even if you'd go to the shops that's a really good thing because yeah there was a point in time where I was just like in bed for like two weeks and my sister was like you stink you need to get out and have a oh my god that's exactly what happened to me my sister was like you stink it's only it's like a sibling that can say that to you and then you're like oh wow I must really stink if they've told me yeah she was like you smell so bad she was like she was like I can't live here with you until you have a shower and I was like okay but I think having those laughs and those like little moments, she was like, "Oh, you laughed," and I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> so I'd... she's like, "You laughed, but also get in the shower." <laughs> yeah, <literally>, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think um, having those moments and just like holding on to them, like even now, I obviously still remember that as like a really funny time, even though it was in like the midst of a storm. Um, yeah, and just appreciating those as well. So yeah, but it is hard. It's so hard. Um, but I feel like it does make you stronger when you come out of it definitely I think that's great advice and the fresh air one is so good I find even if I can't be bothered to go for a walk if I'm having like an anxious day even like just standing outside and breathing in the air like helps um and reading a book I love that no one suggested that before but I love that a nice thriller solving a mystery yeah definitely I got because I love rom-coms so I didn't watch any for like two years but yeah, horror films, I really got into them because I was like, <laughs> I used to think at least I'm not this person that's getting murdered. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah, sure. Whatever works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at least I'm not possessed by the devil, is yeah. what me and my sister would say. So yeah. <laughs> true. I mean, it's true. And I like it as a, I like it as a bar for life of like, it's bad, but at least I'm not possessed by the devil. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Right. Um, I I might make that the quote of this episode because <laughs> I love it so much. Um, thank you so much for joining me, Naomi, and and sharing your story. No, thanks so much for having me on, and thank you for doing this podcast. Um, I will be very sad if you ever stop, so you have to continue forever and ever. This is the thing. I was like, maybe I'll do like one series, and now everyone's like, you have to keep going, and we're like on series ten. I'm like, oh my god, when I'm sixty, I'm still going to be doing this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, you okay. literally have to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, thanks, Sam. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.